It's two minutes past nine on LBC. Welcome to the programme, if you just tuned in. You just missed a great hour with Lord Dannett. Uh, he, he really is an authority on all things military, so do catch up on that on Global Player uh, if you'd like to at some point over the weekend. Now, um, the US presidential election, it is a year away. It's right at the beginning of November 2024. It could be the same week as a British general election. Wouldn't that be fun politi for political geeks like me? All my Christmases will have come at once. Um, but I'm not so sure it's going to be great fun for the American public. Because at the moment... And things can change. At the moment, it looks as if it will be a rerun of 2020, with Donald Trump fighting Joe Biden. Now, interesting developments this week, where the Democrats did rather well in some elections that took place on Tuesday. Uh, in Virginia, they seized overall control of the state legislature by taking the House from the Republicans. Um, there was a resounding support in, so, sorry, resounding vote in support of abortion rights in Republican-controlled Ohio. Um, and there were a few other elections where the Democrats outdid expectations. Uh, the Democrat Andy uh, Bashir's re-election as governor in Kentucky, that will certainly have given Joe Biden a boost. But there are an increasing number of people, I think, in the Democratic Party. And we heard from David Axelrod, who is a leading uh, member of Barack Obama's, Obama's administration, uh, and in fact one of the leading architects of his election victory in 2008. He has publicly said that he thinks that Joe Biden should not stand for re-election. But there doesn't seem to be anybody who's willing to tell Joe Biden that, and at the moment he is going to stand. Um, and and it will, his opponent will probably be Donald Trump. Now, last night there was a debate between the various, uh, well, five candidates seeking to stop Donald Trump's march towards the uh, presidential nomination for the Republican Party. Trump didn't take part. He hasn't taken part, I don't think, I'm in any of these debates so far. Um, Ron DeSantis seems to be the main challenger, followed by the former uh, UN representative at the United Nations, Nikki Haley. And uh, the new kid on the block is a man called Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, he's an entrepreneur, and he really went for it last night. Um, it was very unedifying in many ways. The most explosive moment of the debate came from an attack made by Ramaswamy on Nikki Haley about her 25-year-old daughter. Let's have a listen. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Your adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. answer. You're just scum, she said. Later, Ramaswamy called Vladimir, Z Vladimir Zelensky a Nazi. Now, bear in mind that Vladimir Zelensky is a Jew. I mean, you, you wonder how a presidential candidate can say anything like this. I remember a few months ago, my best friend in America, Daniel Forrester, who you've heard on the programme many times, uh, he reckoned that Ramaswamy was the most likely one to defeat Donald Trump. Um, but, I mean, comments like that, you really just wonder what planet he is on. But it indicates, it is an indication that the Republican Party is, they, they will not support uh, Ukraine. They have become, as we talked about in the last hour, very isolationist. Now, meanwhile, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, turned his fire on the elephant not in the room. 
If you look where we are now, it's a lot different than we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. But despite not bothering to turn up to these tele televised debates, Trump continues to tower above all his Republican rivals in the polls. And last night on Cross Question, the political commentator Freddie Sayers, who's something of an expert on American politics, says a Trump victory in this Republican race is all but guaranteed, and we need to start thinking about the implications of that and of the apparent unpopularity of Joe Biden. Who is going to be the leader of the Republican Party at the time of the election? It's going to be Donald Trump. And if there is a Donald Trump-Joe Biden matchup, who is the most likely winner? I'm afraid that is Donald Trump. He was spoken about earlier today negatively. I can't see how that doesn't happen. I'm waiting for someone to tell me which of those steps might not happen. Now, there has been discussion about replacing Joe Biden. Uh, there was a very senior guy in Obama's administration called David Axelrod who came out and said, you know, it might be time for him to consider his position. He's obviously very old. He's getting doddery. He doesn't command a lot of support. But it, there's no indication that he would be able to do that. And because of the strict constitutional processes in the US, it would actually be quite hard already to change horses at this stage. So I don't see how the Democrats are going to change the leader. So I don't feel we talk enough, actually, about the likelihood of a Donald Trump part two and what that would mean for the world and what that would mean for America. Because if you think both sides became radicalized, polarized, considered the other political party to be the enemy, evil, all the rest of it. And this was true, by the way, from Democrats to Republicans as well as the other way around. Imagine how bad it was last time and now think what might happen this time. So I think we're in quite a perilous moment. That's Freddie Sayers there. So Donald Trump acts too. Something that I think most of us thought that we would never see. But the, the more indictments that Donald Trump seems to have, the more popular he becomes. Well, let's talk to Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, who joins us live from Washington, D.C. Simon, very good evening. Now, we are now in the, the last 12 months of, of, of uh, Joe Biden's first term. Just analyse for us where you see American politics at the moment. Well, I think it's been a big week here, Ian, uh, as you have pointed out, and it, is, it has been a week that has only cemented the sense that we are inexorably heading towards a rematch of the 2020 presidential election, that it's going to be Biden and Trump again. And let me tell you why I think that uh, likelihood has been hastened this week. Uh, I mean, first of all, as you correctly observed, the Democrats had a pretty banner week in the off-year elections that took place in various states, uh, particularly witnessing uh, abortion rights activists turning out at the polls uh, in substantial numbers to deliver significant victories in Ohio, where uh, abortion protections are now being enshrined into the state's constitution as a result of uh, the outcome of this week's elections. Uh, in Kentucky, where Andy Bashir, the Democrat governor, uh, won not just another term, but won it more convincingly than 
than the first term that he had secured uh, in the state. And he did that off the back of relentlessly pursuing uh, abortion rights uh, policies and also uh, talking up the state's economic development uh, policies. Uh, So Democrats uh, can look at that and say, well, this demonstrates that all of this polling that suggests that the Republicans might be able to uh, overturn uh, Joe Biden's apple cart in November of next year is overstated and that when real uh, elections happen in real places across the country, Democrats outperform the expectations of opinion polls. But there's a huge caveat in all of that. Andy Bashir in Kentucky, running for re-election as a Democratic uh, uh, governor, never once intoned the name of Joe Biden on the campaign trail. He steered clear of it uh, to every extent that he possibly could. He didn't want to be tied to Biden at all. And it's very unclear uh, whether these uh, Democrat victories this week were because of Joe Biden or in spite of Joe Biden. Now, we saw the polling at the beginning of the week that showed Joe Biden would lose to Donald Trump in five of the six key battleground states where the election will be fought and won next November. The White House is pushing back on that and saying it's just a couple of outlying opinion polls. There are other polls out there that that show that Joe Biden absolutely can retain the keys to the Oval Office. The flip side to this coin is the Donald Trump side of the coin. And why does this week suggest that Donald Trump will end up being uh, once again toe-to-toe with Joe Biden? Because if you look at what happened in Virginia, where the Democrats were able to capture control of both houses of the state's legislature, that is a massive blow to the Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin, who was hoping that he was going to use victory, the Republicans taking control of both uh, houses in the legislature, to launch a last-minute effort to unseat Donald Trump as the inevitable Republican presidential candidate. And this wasn't a pie-in-the-sky plan. Uh, Glenn Youngkin has amassed a war chest of $22 million ready to be unleashed against Donald Trump. And now all of those plans appear uh, basically uh, not to be getting out of the starting gate because he has no Republican victory in Virginia to point to. So if you're both Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you have reason tonight to be feeling a little more confident in your respective positions as the possible likely standard bearers of your party in next November's presidential election. Is there any prospect of Joe Biden not standing now? Well, I mean, one can't rule anything out. And uh, certainly there's been discussion here uh, about what sort of a conversation will be happening over the Biden family dinner table this Thanksgiving. November 23rd is Thanksgiving Day here. I mean, we are told that the two key figures in all of this are Jill Biden, the First Lady of the United States, and Valerie Biden, the President's sister. My personal uh, friend, obviously. Uh, your personal friend, of course. Yeah. I, I, in fact, you could get her on. She could tell you what's going to happen very good idea, over the it? Thanksgiving table. I mean, the theory... Uh, Certainly on Monday, when we all read those grim polling numbers and boosted by David Axelrod's intervention, the former advisor to Barack Obama, was that this was going to perhaps hasten a bit of a rethink. Uh, But after Tuesday night's results came in, much of that talk disappeared. And look, I think Joe Biden views himself as the indispensable president 
of the nation that he still argues is indispensable on the world stage. He now concedes that he didn't finish the job of slaying the Trump dragon in 2020, and he wants, as he put it in his re-election campaign announcement, to finish the job that he started. And what he means by that is not just bringing the American economy back from COVID-19 and confronting autocracies on the world stage, it's safeguarding American democracy by finally putting paid to Donald Trump. There are, of course, many Democrats out there who quietly, uh, and, and sometimes not so quietly, wonder if Joe Biden's really the man to seal that deal. Now, who is this man, Vivek Ramaswamy? He's not somebody who's familiar to most people in this country, but he has made a bit of an impact on this campaign since he entered it. Yeah, he's a biotech billionaire. Uh, this is the first time that he's ever run for elected office of any kind. He's never even been elected dog catcher before in any kind of American municipal district. Uh, but he's got lots of money. Um, he's uh, very loquacious. He's got a very uh, quick ability to get himself into verbal trouble, as he discovered last night. You played that clip of uh, him and Nikki Haley clashing over TikTok. I think the first time that the word scum has ever been used <laughs> uh, in any kind of uh, televised presidential debate in the United States. Um, and he portrays himself as the um, sort of Trump 2.0, the man who can take Donald Trump's legacy in office and take it to the next level. Uh, he's pretty thin on uh, policy precepts, and some of his policies don't immediately uh, seem to hew to particularly Republican viewpoints. I mean, one of the things he wants to do uh, is raise the voting age to 25, and require people to pass a civics test in order to participate in elections, not inherently necessarily something that you would think uh, would be of benefit to the Republican Party at a micro level. Uh, but he certainly attracted some support. I mean, after each of these debates, at every debate, his behavior is more outrageous than the last. Uh, on the one hand, you think he's going to flame out. But on the other hand, you also think he's auditioning for a possible role as Trump's running mate. And imagine if Donald Trump Trump is the presidential nominee, who on earth is going to agree to be his running mate after the experience that Mike Pence had? Uh, that's a massive question, and I think one has to assume it's going to be an unorthodox figure, and Mr. Ramaswamy certainly fits that particular bill. How long... Um, I mean, Donald Trump is involved in multiple court cases at the moment. He, he, he was appearing in one this week and very much displeased the judge, I think. I mean, how viable is it to run a presidential campaign when you've got all of these cases looming over you and there is the possibility that, I mean, he could be president from a prison cell? Uh, he absolutely could be. If it was anybody else, we would be writing them off completely. I mean, honestly, Ian, the idea that it is now November of 2023 and you and I are still talking about Donald Trump is testament only to the absolutely unique staying power uh, of a politician who under any normal circumstances would have been knocked out of the ring ages ago. So I think one cannot possibly write off his ability to continue campaigning as these legal waters swirl. Some of the polling this week indicated that were he to be convicted 
in any of these cases, and uh, it looks increasingly likely that he will be convicted in many of them, uh, that might change the viewpoint of some of his supporters. But I think that's a pretty thin hope. I mean, they've sat by him and stuck to him, and in some cases uh, joined his uh, campaign. Uh, indictment after indictment, they've bought the argument that he's the victim of uh, double standards in the Department of Justice. And Trump certainly doesn't think that any of this is going to derail him because behind the scenes the trump campaign we now know is actively preparing for a second trump administration and they are talking about a much more hard line approach to governing there'll be no finding accommodations with people with whom they have philosophical disagreements in government no stacking the cabinet uh with uh, people that donald trump would now describe as rhinos republicans in name only they're talking about taking retribution. That's the word that Donald Trump used in a recent speech. Retribution against people that he believes turned against him, including former Attorney General William Barr, former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. Retribution against the Bidens, threatening to launch, you know, to use the Department of Justice to go after the Bidens in exactly the same way as Trump maintains the Department of Justice has been used by Biden to go after him. Uh, and there is talk also of doing away with the independence of the Department of Justice. That's in and of itself a massive threat to the checks and balances that lie at the heart of American democracy. But the people in the back rooms of Donald Trump's campaign are determined that if he wins four more years in the Oval Office, it's not going to be wasted accommodating people with whom ultimately he has absolutely basic philosophical worldview disagreements. Just finally, has Trump responded to last night's uh, rather unedifying scenes at that debate? Yes, I've seen various emails throughout the day, as I do uh, every single day from Donald Trump. There are all sorts of them uh, that come in, and uh, Didn't know you're he, that close. <laughs> well, if only one could, uh, if only one could get away from uh, his relentless emailing. And uh, there's one here saying that last night CNN's anchors were visibly shaking when they were forced to report on live television that their own poll shows me beating Crooked Joe by four points nationwide. Uh, he goes on to uh, decry uh, the performance of uh, his putative challenges in the debate. Before it uh, began, the Trump campaign put out uh, an AI-produced uh, TV advertisement or web advertisement, which they're increasingly doing, uh, in which his uh, various uh, challenges uh, made AI created appearances, all of course designed to demean them and he basically continues to dismiss them as a bunch of pygmies and that's why he doesn't show up at the debate. He doesn't want to uh, be dragged into that bear garden because he looks at the polls and he looks at his 40 to 50 point advantage over his nearest rival and feels that he doesn't really need to be part of the conversation. So unless that field gets winnowed down to one potential challenger and the smart money at the moment would be on Nikki Haley to fill that role Unless, he, unless you get it winnowed down to just one challenger, there's pretty much nothing at the moment that appears likely to stop him.
Are you excited by the prospect of the next 12 months in this campaign, or is there part of you that's rather dreading it? I'm, I'm a bit of both, to be honest, as you know. I'm a bit of both. Um, look, all American elections are a, a, a thrill to cover. Uh, this will be, I've lost count now, I've done every single one since 1996. Um, and uh, so I think there are all sorts of possibilities of unexpected developments. I mean, you've got two old men running for the nation's highest office. Large numbers of Americans will be deflated by the likelihood uh, of this being a Trump-Biden rematch. So let's not rule out the possibility of unexpected developments on both sides of this uh, debate. Uh, but, uh, you know, dreading it as well a little bit, just because it's going to be an exhausting year. And I suspect largely a very, very unedifying one. I don't think we're going to be steeped in the interesting discussions of policy that might have uh, dominated American elections in years gone by. All of that is over here. Well, the great thing is that you and I will be speaking a lot more often than we, we have will. done over the last two years. <laughs> Simon, thank you very much indeed. That's Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent. This will be his eighth presidential election that he's covered, by the way. In any of these cases.